Please join me in a brief word of prayer, and we'll get into the word uh, today. Father God, uh, it is an honor and a privilege, Father, to, uh, to be your servant. Uh, it's, uh, it's humbling, and uh, it is an absolute privilege to enjoy the salvation of the Lord our God in Jesus Christ. We are saved. No matter what's going on in our lives, Lord, we're saved. We're redeemed. We are new creations. We are sons and daughters of God. We are the recipients of the new covenant, a covenant that's established on better promises, that is established by you and in you. So, Father God, we will say to you in this moment, we, won't take, we don't take you for granted. Thank you, Lord. I just want all of y'all to just say that, say that to the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we should be thanking you continually every day. Not only for the things that we know you've done in our lives, but even for those things that we don't know you've done. Who knows what you have protected us from? Dangers we were steering ourselves toward. And unbeknownst to us, you redirected our paths away from harm, and we never even knew it. So, Father, you are working. You never sleep. You never slumber. You are doing for us exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. So we say thank you. And Lord, as the word goes forth, I trust in the work of the Holy Spirit that, uh, that as we've been worshiping, that as we have been uh, uh, praising you, Father God, as the word of exhort exhortation has gone forth, that our hearts have been stirred, the fallow ground has been broken up. We have good soil upon which the word of God can be planted. And Lord, I trust that your word will be planted into that good soil of everyone's heart, germinate, and yield a bountiful harvest of fruit to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we are continuing uh, a brief series on the refiner's fire, pursuing holiness. And uh, I really think, I really believe that God has been speaking to people and ministering to people through what has been taught over the past couple of weeks. And we continue into week three where the, where the focus will be on the refining that comes by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does the work, but how many of you know that we've got to partner, cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit for the fruit of God to be yielded in our lives? Every one of us is on a race that God has marked out for us, a journey. We all have our own path in the Lord. Noted author 
Jim George coined the phrase, it's not how you start that's important, but how you finish. And it doesn't say that starts aren't important. Starting is important. You can't finish if you don't start. But it's not, you can start well, but if you don't finish, there's no reward. I don't hear any amens today, but I'll take that as a silent agree. Starting well isn't as important as finishing well. You can have a rough start, but did you finish well? Many people start well, but never finish. In the parable of the seed and the sower, there are those who receive the gospel with joy, with excitement, but turned away when adversity came. Because the Bible says they had no root. There was no depth to their faith, rooted in a growing relationship with the Lord. So when adversity came, hey, I got into this thing because I heard the good news. I give my life to God. All these good blessings are going to come my way. I got in it for how it, how it can benefit me. But when the benefit stopped for a season and the adversity came, whoa, I didn't sign up for this. I'm out of here. Well, that's not finishing. They started with joy. But didn't finish. They turned away. Because there was no depth to their faith in the Lord. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. He said of himself, I have fought the good fight. I have run. I have finished the race I have kept the faith we all know that Paul didn't start well he persecuted and executed followers of Christ he wasn't a believer then but his story for us starts with him being a persecutor of the church trying to extinguish all of the followers of Christ. He wanted to extinguish the gospel from the community. But on the road to Damascus, Paul had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. He repented, became a follower of Jesus, and he received an apostolic calling from Jesus to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. As the song Amazing Grace says, there were many dangers, toils, and snares along the way. There were many people and situations that provided excuses to not fight the good fight, to not finish the race, to not keep the faith. But Paul endured through it all and finished the race. But Paul is not the subject of today's message. This guy named Peter is. Now, Paul, I want to contrast the two because Paul started 
He did a lot of his nastiness before he came to faith in Christ. See, some of us have a, a, a pretty bad, a pretty horrible history before we came to Christ. And that, even though we have faith in Christ, that comes with us into the relationship with the Lord. And there is stuff that we need to overcome, stuff we need to shed, stuff that we need to be purged from. The Lord knows that, and he takes us through the refining fire to begin the process of purging the past so that it doesn't become a weight that bogs us down and and hinders us and hurts us. So again, just because it's uncomfortable, just because the fire is hot, just because it burns doesn't mean it's not doing good. The fire hurts, but it purifies. And he's purging you so that you can move on and be free from the bondage of the past. It's time to stop letting your past define who you are. Because you have a new master now. The one who created you, the one who saved you has a new name for you. You are a new creation in him. Amen? And so let the fire burn that out of you. So Paul went from a horrible beginning to this transformation, and he didn't have a lot of struggles as far as his faith is concerned. Once he came to the Lord, he hit the ground running. He ran 110 miles an hour, and he kept running that speed until the finish line. And when he saw the finish line coming, he's like, hey, I didn't start well, but I met Jesus. He changed my life. He extended mercy and grace towards me, and, and he loved me despite what I did to him. And, 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 and I, found, I found it truth in my heart. I found that the truth was revealed that he is truly the Messiah the Lord and Savior of the world. Amen. And I gave my heart to him. And you know, and Paul was so humbled by the fact that Jesus forgave him, loved him, and then gave him a purpose, used him to spread the gospel about him to the Gentiles. And Paul, he was, he was always humbled and appreciative of that. So he hit the ground. He was one of those people that came from a hard place, a radical transformation, and hit the ground running and never looked back. Never stumbled, you know, didn't stumble or anything. He just kept going, and God used him to great effect. Peter came to the Lord in faith, but he had a lot of stumbles in his walk with the Lord, particularly early on. Can anybody relate to Peter here? Like I said, Paul's not the subject of today's message. Peter is who we'll be talking about today. The man who would become the great apostle Peter did not have a great start to his faith walk with Jesus. (laughs) Trust me, he gave me a lot of material, but I'm just going to list a few things. I hope these are accurate descriptions, but I will say he was prideful. 
Remember when Jesus wanted to wash the disciples' feet? And Peter says, no, no, Lord, there's no way you're going to wash my feet. Now, he meant it out of a sign of respect, but it was disrespect. It was, you know, it was pride. I know better than Jesus. Wait a minute. Don't, do you not know? We're not worthy of you washing our feet. Now, the disciple is telling the master what's, what's right and what's order here. And Jesus told him, hey, if I don't wash your feet, you got no part in me. And you think it'd be humble enough. Oh, well, not just my feet, my head too. <laughs> He's like, hey, all this, uh, look, just zip it, listen, and get with the program. That's, that's really all he needed to do, but he had a hard time with that. He even tried to take charge at the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, keep in mind here, we've got Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. But Peter's talking about what needs to be done here. <laughs> I mean, think about the audacity there, right? You got, you got these great men, these great biblical figures, and out of all the men there, Peter's the one said, oh, we need to make tents. We need, we need to, hey, this is great. This is holy. This is awesome. Here's, let, let me take charge. Guys, I got this. When he just should have been just humble, just just beholding the moment and being attentive perchance that, that Jesus or one of these men has something from God, some instruction, something, some proverb, something to share with him that, 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 that could be a maxim that he used for his life. But no, I got this. When Jesus asked Peter to, uh, you know what, I'm going to do another one. Remember when Jesus told his disciples that he was going to suffer and die? That's the reason why he came. He was the sacrificial lamb, the propitiation for our sins. And he told his disciples that. And Peter's like, no, no, you shall not suffer that. No, far be it from you. And what did Jesus say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. Right? Jesus is telling them the plan of God. Who is the one that wants to disrupt that? Satan. It's not saying that he was possessed by Satan or anything like that. But when Jesus shares the word of God, the plan and purpose of God, and you come against that, you try to come against that, then you are acting like Satan. Because God's will is God's will, no matter how you feel about it. And so our, our responsibility is to say, yes, Lord, be it unto me according to your will. Like Mary said, are you hearing me? When Jesus asked Peter, and he wasn't the only one, but, you know, there were two others, but Peter's the subject today. When Jesus asked Peter to pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane, less than an hour later, what was Peter doing? This, all, this is a moment before Jesus 
is, uh, is taken, arrested. He's about to be beaten mercilessly and down the cross for our sins. And he brought in his inner circle. Come pray with me, guys. This is weighing the Son of Man. This is weighing heavily on the, the Son of Man part of me here. I, you know, and, and they couldn't last one hour. They fell asleep. Again, we're just saying, hey, not a great start. It doesn't mean he wasn't a believer. It doesn't mean that he didn't have a genuine relationship with God. It just means he wasn't a finished product. He had some shortcomings. He had some things he wouldn't be proud of. How many of us fall asleep or value sleep over spending time with the Lord? The Lord is saying, come spend time with me. And we're rolling over. I said we. I didn't say (laughs) y'all. I'm reminded of a testimony that Pastor Dale said, you know, when, when, uh, you know, uh, the Lord told him he wanted him to be available. And he's going to church every time the door is open. He's He's already, he's already going to church and serving and, and everything. And he said the Lord said to him that he wanted him to be more available, wanted him to be available to him. He said, I thought I was. But then the Lord began to invite him to get up before the rooster crows, before the sunrise, and spend time with him. And so Dale, being the God-honoring man that he is, he endeavored to do that. And he said the first morning he got up, he fell asleep. You don't mind me telling your story, do you, Dale? (laughs) He fell asleep. But you know what? He fell asleep, but he didn't quit. Right? The next day, he committed to do it again. He might have fallen asleep again, but, but then you know what he did? He said, you know what? I can't fall asleep walking. I'm going to stand. Not even going to get down on my knees because who knows? Going from a knee, I might lean up against something. My eyes might close. The body needed to be reconditioned to prioritize giving God the first fruits of the day before the sun even awoke for the day. Amen? But he had a commitment. God wanted, called him to be more available and he was committed to obeying God there, and he made himself more available to God. Is God calling you to be more available today? If he is, then don't shun him. Don't dismiss it. Show that commitment that Dale showed that, God, I'm going to do it. It might not be perfect how I do it, but I'm going to commit to making the effort. And if I fall down in day one, I'm going to recharge and do it again in day two. I'm going to take the next step, even though the step I just took was a little shaky. I'm going to get up if I fall, and I'm going to stay on the path that you've marked out for me. It's not how you start, but how you finish. We don't give up when things are hard at the beginning. We you know, we, we just let that determination fuel us to keep on keeping on. But the stinging indictment against Peter is that 
he denied the Lord. Not once, not twice, but three times. That scar stuck with him pretty much for life. He was so confident. Think about it. He was so confident that if and if or when the moment came, he'd courageously respond. That he would respond with courage. He even said, that's another thing about him, he was a bit judgmental about his fellow brothers. When Jesus said that they're going to strike the shepherd and the sheep are going to scatter, he's like, I believe that about those guys, but me, no, I die for you. Not only will I not scatter, I die for you. And Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And he didn't believe it. He was so self-confident. Boy, that's a dangerous place to be. He was so self-confident. He had no idea what it was like to really be in that moment where your life is on the line. How will you respond? Fight or flight? Will you be courageous or cowardly? He had no idea. But the picture that he had of himself, there was no doubt that he would be the courageous one. He saw some coward in the other 11, but he was sure about himself. But when the moment came, the truth about himself that Jesus knew, but he didn't, came to the fore. And he found He discovered of himself that he wasn't the man that he fancied himself to be. And I can tell you, as a man who that's happened to, boy, that can take you to a low place. When you find yourself fall, when when the moment of decision comes, when the moment that, that reveals all comes and you find yourself wanting, you find yourself lacking, or that can pull you down emotionally. That can bring you down to, a top, to, a point, to the point of depression. And the higher the opinion you had of yourself, the lower you'll be brought down. But he, th- he thought of himself that he would courageously respond, even if it cost him his life. But when the moment arrived, he was a coward. What a rough start to his faith walk with Jesus. I I want us to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 22. And I'm going to skip around. There's there's two short passages. Uh, I'm going to skip some verses in between them. But that was a rough start to his journey, but now we're coming to a time where a new Peter, a different Peter, a transformed Peter comes onto the scene. And we've just had, this is the day of Pentecost. The the, the Holy Spirit has come down and, and they're seeing these tongues of fire appearing over people. People are speaking in unknown tongues and all this is going on and people are trying to figure out what, is, what, what all this is about. And Peter, 
the one who denied Jesus three times, who wouldn't admit that he was a follower of Christ because to do so would have cost him his life. Now he's in front of, I bet you many of the people in that crowd, at least some of them were the people he was afraid of taking his life before. And now he's here boldly proclaiming that y'all need to repent and you need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's no longer timid, afraid, shy, fearing for his life to tell people that Jesus is the Messiah. A transformation has taken place. Let's read, starting in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by. He said, You killed him, but make no mistake about it. No mistake about it. This was, this was uh, uh, decided by God. He was brought to the cross and suffered by the will of God. Y'all knew what you were doing was wrong and you did it anyway. Y'all hate that y'all hated the mention of him being the son of God, being the Messiah, but I'm declaring him to you anyway. And I'm telling you, I know though at the time people wanted to uh, shut that up and say that's not true, but he says God raised him up. Not only did y'all kill him, but God rose him up on the third day because it was not possible for him to be held by death. You know, Jesus is Lord even over death. Let's skip on down. Verse 36, he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. I love this. People think that you got to water down the gospel for people to receive it. No. No. You just got to be unapologetically. It's got to really be the gospel. First of all, make sure what you're presenting is the gospel. Right? But you present the gospel. It's not your job whether or not people will accept it or receive it. It's your job to present it not as the world wants to hear it not even as believers might want to hear it because we still got flesh that gets in the way of ourselves it's not how we want to hear it but how it is the unadulterated untainted pure gospel and we need to like Peter here boldly proclaim that and so he does it he didn't say Jesus who was crucified, no, whom y'all crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. See, God's word will do what it set out to do. It will do. It will prick the heart. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
He didn't stop there because people were being repenting and, and, and baptized by John. But he's letting them know you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Hallelujah. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls. It's interesting to me that as awesome as what we just read is, what is contained in the Bible, it says that with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. So there is much more to this sermon. There's much more to this gospel presentation that is not written in Scripture. But, but Peter, let God use him there. This transformed Peter who's no longer letting fear control his life. No longer letting anxiety control his life. No longer letting death intimidate him or the prospect of death intimidate him. He is going to preach the gospel without compromise. No matter the situation, no matter who it is that's in his audience, he's going to do it. And if there is fallback, and if that fallback gets extreme and it ends up being to the end of his life, then he's already lived his life as a living sacrifice. So, you know, he's already dead to that possibility. Amen? And he's not worried about it because he knows his eternal life is secure in Jesus. And he knows Jesus didn't save his own life but gave his life so that we might be saved. So how can we not offer our lives in service of him? Uh, wow, I'm going to have to pick it up here. Okay. Now, this transformation that we're talking about, is, a, you know, uh, is the result of the Holy Spirit and Jesus promised, John 14, uh, I'm going to read 15 through 17. It's Jesus told his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. He's going home to, to heaven to be with the Father, but he's going to leave another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. That's another name for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. After that day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit that was with them, after Jesus rose from the dead, after Jesus died on the cross and went, again, and went up into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit isn't just with us, but in us. Jesus promised that. Going on to Acts chapter 1, 
Starting at verse 6, I'll read through 8. It says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, and we better get our minds around this today, because we're chasing after, you know, events in time and when this is going to happen and when that's going to happen. No, uh, we're lo- I think we can lose focus on what God wants of us and wants us to be focused on uh, and, and, and to use us to do in this day and time. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. God has these times fixed. God's will will come to pass, and they're going to come to pass when he has determined them to come to pass. We don't have to try and guess. We don't have to try and calculate and figure it out. Our job is to do the work of him that sent us while it is day. Because there's coming a time. We talk about the grace and mercy of God, but the wrath of God is coming. There's going to come a time when the ark is complete. And God says it's time to shut the door. And once that door is shut, the rain is going to start, the flood's going to happen, and everything outside the ark is not going to end well for them. Right? And so the end times is like that. There's going to come a time when the time for salvation is done. And at that point, there's no hope for anyone who isn't in Christ. Right? And so God, there should always be an urgency for us to, to be bold like Peter, to, pro, to, 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 to spread, to propagate the gospel, to let people know the love of God. But, but not to do it in an unbalanced way. The wrath of God will come. And when it comes, there is no escape from it. You can bow to God in his wrath on that day, or you can bow to God in his grace and mercy today. See, we can't erase the righteous wrath and judgment of God because it's in light of that that we can see the wonder, the amazingness of the grace and mercy and love of God. So, but he said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. Say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And I know that's often used, yeah, I want power. I want to lay hands on people so they can be healed. I want to, you know, I want to raise the dead. I want to open the blind eyes and ears and and all that other stuff, you know, you shall receive power to be his witnesses. You, you know, you need the Holy Spirit power to help you be holy as the Lord your God is holy. We want, we, we, we want power to do stuff, to show forth the power of God. How about the power of God that, that transforms you? 
that, 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 that makes you able to live in a way that you could not live before Christ. The power of God's ability to help you, for, to help you forgive the people you couldn't forgive before, to help you love the people that you felt was unlovable, that you feel don't deserve to be loved. That's the power of God that's needed to transform a heart, to be able to do those things, the things you lusted after, the things that, 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 that controlled your life, that all of a sudden you are free from it. It does not have control over you anymore, and, and, and you're a different person now. Christ, because of Christ, what he's done in your life. Are you hearing me? You know, that's being a witness for him. See, we want the power to do amazing stuff when we need the power to be like Jesus. Not just in the miracles, but in conduct, in character, in the way that we walk. See then that you walk circumspectly, worthy of the calling that we have in God. See, the work of the Holy Spirit in us is the one who is doing, he, he, he's calling us to pay attention, to give ear to him, to, to be sensitive to his leading, because in his leading, he's leading and guiding us into all truth. And in, that, and in the guiding of that truth, we'll be convicted of those things that don't line up with that truth. <laughs> and he'll even guide us into how we can get out from under the power of what ain't God and get under the authority and will and purpose and plan of what is God. That's where the rubber meets the road, man. And, 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 and the being able to do the miraculous stuff, it'll come. It'll come when the moment, it'll be there. It's available to us in the moment when it's needed, right? But for us, we need to prioritize, I want to be like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is my helper to help me become more like Jesus. When I'm home or am I in a private uh, area and there is no witnesses and so forth, see, when nobody's able to see the stuff that we allow ourselves to do, that's who we really are in that moment. I want to be that God that is just like Christ when there's nobody there to witness me. I want to be in private what I proclaim to be in public. And he gave us a helper. That if we'll listen to him, if we'll yield to him, if we'll obey, that helper will get us there. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 and 8. It says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Lord have mercy. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just read this last scripture, and then I'll, I'll, I'll bring it to a close. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. I felt was an appropriate ending 
verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. Remember, we started off talking about a race. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Your race ain't exactly the same as my race, but, but, but we all have the same destination. We all have a finish line to cross, right? And whatever your race is, God's will is for you to finish it. You may start strong, but what that doesn't matter as much as whether or not you finish strong. You may, like Paul, you may start strong. Okay, then, praise God. Keep at it. Let me spur you on toward love and good works. Keep on keeping on. Don't let up. Endure. Keep the pace. Keep going until you cross the finish line. But if you're like Peter and you started off slow, you stumbled out of the blocks. The first mile has you behind the curve. Don't give up. Don't, don't, don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't, 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 don't give in to thoughts of what's the point? I can't win anymore. There's no way I can catch up with the crowd. There's no way I can be first across the finish line. God doesn't care about order. He doesn't care about what order you finish. This isn't a race that, uh, like the Olympics. This isn't a race where there's first, second, third place. Everyone who finished is well done. That good and faithful servant. Everyone who finishes wins. So the only question is whether or not you're going to commit to run the race with endurance. Finish the race. Complete it. And I'm not talking about politics and all that other nonsense. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about whether you stay true to the faith. Whether you stay committed to trusting God and walking in faithful obedience to the Lord your God. Even when somebody crossed you, there's an opportunity. Are we going to stay strong? Are we going to keep the faith? Or are we going to say, I will never, never forgive that person for what they did to me? See, you got a choice. Will you, or do, do you want to be refined and be like Jesus? Or do you want to stay in an unrefined state? of disobedience and rebellion against God. Because make no mistake about it, when you refuse to forgive and reconcile, being a follower of Christ, refusal to do so is a choice to rebel and disobey God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's a hard truth, but it's a truth that needs to be heard. Right? Me and I had a conversation with Johnny earlier this week, and we talked about the unjust servant. 
where I told him about the uh, girls. Y'all remember the Nest Entertainment movies? In the movie, he was named Hazor, right? And they had these little gospel stories, animated stories. Uh, They had a set that was Old Testament, a set that was New Testament. But this servant owed the king an unpayable debt, and the king forgave him. And in the cartoon, his name was Hazor. Now he had another guy, after being forgiven by the king, he had another guy that owed him a debt. And he was harsh. He beat him up. And then he had him arrested. And at least in the cartoon, the king's uh, spies or servants, they overheard Hazor telling people, well, they said, man, wh- why are you not in prison? <laughs> why are you out? You know? And he's rewrote the story. In his, in his uh, uh, story, he refused on principle to pay the debt to the king. Didn't feel it was a just debt. And he said, Hazor, my friend, I apologize. Go. You are released from your debt. They took that back to the king, and the king dropped the hammer on him. Why do I bring that up? I bring that up for this reason. We are walking in the blessing of an unpayable debt that we owe the Lord that he forgave us. Right? This, this salvation that we have is the, is, is, is the mercy, is the result of the mercy, grace, and love of God. See, we were guilty. The, the, we were condemned by the law. That was an unpayable debt. We could not save ourselves. We could not pay what was required to save ourselves. Jesus paid that debt for us. And gifted salvation to us if we would but receive it by grace through faith. So being recipients of the forgiveness that we benefit from but didn't earn. How can we then turn around and not forgive those who have crossed or offended us? See, Hazor didn't appreciate or respect the significance of the forgiven debt to him. It didn't change his heart. He showed his character proved to be that, uh, you know, of an unrepentant man, of bad character, and that cost him. Whatever bad character lies in us, Our God loves us enough. He gave us the Holy Spirit to do the work in us to reveal that to us. To reveal it to us. Make us aware of it. So that we have a chance to humble ourselves and partner with him as he does the work to purge us. We don't want to be Hazors. We want to be like Jesus even in his suffering. He learned obedience. He learned to persevere in obedience to the things that he suffered. It's not me this time, so praise God. It's really bad when it's me. So, so I just want to say we should allow the Holy Spirit to refine us so 
that we can be more like Jesus and we can do the work of the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? Amen. If we walk in the Spirit, obeying his promptings, being sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit, then we'll receive the power to live this Christian life be like Christ and to be his ambassadors and witnesses uh, of his power to a lost and dying world. And they need to see the power of God to transform a life. People are looking for hope. So let God work that transformation in you that he worked in Peter. Maybe you had a rough start, but you're still in the race. Maybe you had a a tough start, but keep running. Keep pushing. Keep persevering. Maybe you're bound by worry right now about what people think about you or the past that you've that still hangs around your neck, but you can become bold and free of it in Jesus' name. If anxiety and fear have bogged you down, you can be in perfect rest and peace in Jesus. That's how he wants you. If your life is, if you're not satisfied, if you're dissatisfied with your life, he wants you to draw closer to him because he wants you to be content in the things of God. Wants you to develop a heart of, uh, remember Madam Blueberry Girls? He wants to help you develop a thankful heart even in the midst of of unsatisfying circumstances, that you remember who you belong to and what he's capable of doing in your life. And even if you've been, I don't know, whatever, habits, lusts, uh, addictions, ungodly desires, all those things we've been struggling with, Um, you can become pure and free in Jesus. You must become pure and free in Jesus' name. And you need to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit (laughs) in your life. You've got help. If you got somebody behind you, look at them and tell them, you got help. You've got divine help. Jesus sent a helper to help you. So, you know, whatever, uh, not everything can make the list, but there are things that uh, maybe God is prompting you, putting on your mind right now. Everybody, we know ourselves, we know our battles. With the help of the, with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can overcome anything and everything that's holding you back. 
So it's not how we begin that determines our ending. It's not your background or it's what you allow the Holy Spirit to do in you. I'm going to ask you to stand. Allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in you that God knows needs to be done. Discontinue this whole thing of whatever your problem is, whatever your struggle is. Abandon the thinking that that's who you are. That that defines you. And begin to embrace God's word that defines who you are. And continue to read it and meditate on it so that you can renew your mind. And get a vision for who you are in Christ. Something that you can press for and press toward and let go. The past, the thinking that keeps you stuck in the past. Identifying with the past. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up this body of believers to your Lord, your sons and daughters who sincerely... Uh, love you, Father God, and want to be like Christ. And so, and so, Lord, I just pray that you would really minister to them right now, Lord. It, let, let, let anyone, anyone, Father God, who is uh, vacillating, anyone who's on the cusp, anyone who feels an unction, they feel compelled, but they are resisting or fighting against it. I pray, God, that, 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 that they get that holy push, that holy nudge, to take that courageous step of faith towards the transformation that's available to them in Jesus' name. It's time to, to break the stalemate. It's time to press forward towards the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and not settle any longer. And I thank you, Father God, for those that would that hear that call and respond in faithful obedience. Father God, the healing that's, I, I thank you for the healing that's available to them. I, 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 I thank you for the freedom, the liberty that's available to them, Father God. I thank you for the salvation that's available to them, Father God. I, I, I thank you for the transformation that's available to him in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father God, and we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.